trying to build another building for the sake of building another building. I, I believe God for, for the, my whole life since I've been pastoring the church that, we, that, that God has called us to impact the city. But he's called you. See, we're, we're a family. The Bible says when you get saved, you become part of the family of God. So we're a family. We're the Living Hope family. There's the family of God worldwide, but we're our own individual family. But you know what? We're a family. We should be a family of warriors, people who know how to go out and get something done for the Lord. I got lots of time. We should be able to get something done and make a difference with our lives. The last thing in the world Jesus is looking for is religious pew-sitters. It's not what he's he's after. He said, come on, we're going to go make a difference. You guys, when he called his disciples, he said, you're going to change the world. And that's what he's called you and I, too, to be world changers, people who can make a difference, and it starts in the city of Hamilton. Amen? Amen. Now, we're going to um, carry on with the, uh, the message I talked about last week, building a successful life, blueprints for building a successful life. And if I can get the diagram up here just to run it through, run through it quickly with you. Um, so today we're focusing down here at the bottom on the foundation. So we'll spend some time today and next week on the foundation. And, and you know, it's so important to focus on foundation. Can I make a water change here? It's so important to focus on the... Um, on the foundation, because the foundation really will determine your future. If you want to have a great future, how many want to have a great life for God? Amen. Really make your life count. Not just go through mundane, everyday life, you know, just kind of surviving, but, but be, a, be a victorious, be an overcomer, be somebody who can make a difference. Well, it all begins with the foundation. If you bypass the foundation, you'll never make it. Foundations are vital. You know, if you're, if you're building a house... Just say like a, a you know, single-family home, you maybe dig the foundation three, four feet, whatever it is, something like that, and uh, you put in the foundation. But you know, the CN Tower, the foundation for the CN Tower is 50 feet deep. Because you want to build something big, the foundation has to be strong. So the, the more people we have in our church who have strong foundations, because the people are the church, a strong foundation means that we'll be able to do something great for God. It isn't about the pulpit. It isn't about uh, the message. It isn't about anything other than the quality of people that make up the church. And the foundation will determine the quality. Foundation is vital. So we're going to spend this week, next week on the foundation. Then we're going to move up to the second section, which is fruitfulness. And what I've watched over the years is when people start to make their life count, like when they begin to become victorious and they get over stuff in their life, And they start to become fruitful. See, it's often the stuff in our life that we have to deal with at the foundational level that holds us back from being fruitful. But when you get past that stuff, you start to make your life count for God and you make a difference. That's what being fruitful is all about. You know, when Jesus called his disciples, and the same for you and I, he said, "Come, I want you to bear fruit and fruit that will remain. He calls you and I to bear fruit that would remain. Fruit that is evident, it's visible, it's lasting. Fruit that will remain. So that's what he's looking for from all of our lives. So we're going to talk about how when you become, when you build a good foundation, you will then become a fruitful person. And when you become a fruitful person, you move into the next level, which becomes a person who experiences the blessing of God. See, God blesses everybody. You know, the Bible says all good things come from God. Any good thing that an unsaved person gets comes from God. All good things come from God. Now, 
what I've discovered is when you walk with God and you become fruitful, you make your life count for God, he seems to be a little bit more interested in those people. He'll do things on their behalf. He'll move on their behalf. He'll, he'll, he'll bless you. He'll meet needs. He'll do things. Because you're building his kingdom. You're building his kingdom. You're extending his church. You're making a difference with your life. You're going and rescuing people from, from the gates of hell, and, and you're saving people's lives. That gets his attention. So we'll talk about how you move into that third phase of blessing, and then the, the, the whole picture kind of looks like that. And we just put it together to try to illustrate it. You understand that life doesn't happen exactly like that. Life is all intertwined together and meshed together, but, but these are principles that you can follow. You know, your life can count right at the very beginning, but you better work at getting that foundation strong so you, have a, you can endure it to the end, right? And really make your life count. So we're going to be taking a look here at the, at the foundation um, this morning. Now, I believe in all my heart that when a person gets saved, something happens to them instantaneously. They don't have to work for it. They don't have to have classes. They don't need a worship service. They, they don't need counseling. It happens instantaneously. And that is, there's a change in attitude. There's a change in heart that has a desire to please God. It happens. If, 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 if you've received the Lord, but you find yourself without a desire to please God, you've got problems because you you're, you're might be kidding yourself. A person who knows the Lord has a desire. I'll, I'll give, you, give you this example from my own life. Before I got saved, I was always um, uh, negative and insecure and fearful. And, um, and, but I was searching. I was wondering, like, what, you know, what am I here for? And that's what brought me on that journey that took me, you know, halfway around the world. I'm on my way to India, really to try to figure out one thing. Why am I here? And I, I, wasn't, I wasn't a positive, a victorious person at all. And then I received the Lord. I met these Christians, you know, in Afghanistan and, and in Kabul there, and I, and I received the Lord. Now, within a day or two, nobody told me, nobody talked to me, nobody said a word to me. I found myself within a day or two saying this, I have failed at everything I've done in my life. I am not going to fail God. Nobody taught. I didn't know what it meant not to fail God. I had no idea. Like, I'm, I didn't know what Christian was. I had no idea. I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. I had no idea what, I, what that meant logically, but in my heart, and what was coming out of my mouth was, I am not going to fail God. Now, I didn't know at the time, but I do know today, that wasn't me. See, I would say, I'm defeated, I'm, I'm losing, I'm insecure, I'm fearful, I was a perfectionist, so I put way too much pressure on myself so you could never live up to it, and this was my life, and that's how I thought, and that's how I talked, but a day after I received the Lord, I'm saying, I'm not going to fail God. See, that to me was the Spirit of God starting to speak through me a new life, a new beginning, a new day. It wasn't me speaking it because I didn't talk that way. I'm not going to fail God. See, because what happens, the Spirit of God, who is the giver of life, comes into you, and our spirit, the Bible says man is made of a body, soul, and spirit, and our spirit is dead in sin, the Bible says. It's dead. You, you can't have a spiritual relationship with God with a dead spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes into our life, touches our dead spirit, it comes to life, and now we have communion with God. Communion with God is a spiritual thing. It's not so much an intellectual thing. We can understand God with our intellect, but we experience Him with our spirit. So that's why it's vital to develop a relationship with God and get out here and pray and become a worshiper and have a prayer closet and develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit because that's what brings life to us. That's what enables us to live out the Word and do all these things. 
I think it happens instantaneously. I don't think you work at it. I don't think you have to be trained to It's the Holy Spirit speaks through you and brings life to you. And all of a sudden, you want to do what God's happy with, and you want to please Him and make your life count for Him and not do the things you've been doing. Now, it takes faith to do that. Right? We may want to do it. How many know sometimes you want to do something and then we don't? That's good for the 10 of you that know that. So, see, sometimes we, you know, we got a desire to do the right thing, but it takes faith, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, exercising faith to obey what God says, and that's how we grow in our faith. So, like Nikki was saying earlier, that desire comes into our heart, but then if we don't act on it, it's all a waste of time. But it's God trying to do things in us that we now act on by faith, and then by faith is how we grow, because it says in the Scripture, without faith it's impossible to please God. The only way you can get by with God is with faith. It's never by being a religious person, trying to be a good person. That's the result of faith. That doesn't never take the place of faith, okay? So I think it happens instantaneously. Life begins to change. We learn how to live for him. It's a growing process. Jesus at one time said, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll, you'll do what I'm asking you to do. So some people say to me, oh, the Bible's so hard to understand. What's hard about that? All right? You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that one out. Jesus said, I will look at you and I will determine the degree of love you have for me based on your willingness to obey. Amen. I don't care what you say, what he's saying. I don't care how many tears you cry. I'm looking at if you obey me and follow me, it's an indication that you love me. Very easy to understand. So now we, see, we have something to base it on. We have something to build from because it's very clear to understand. Now I want to take a look here at a couple of verses. Colossians chapter 1. Verses 16 and 17. It says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. So what that scripture is telling us, that Jesus is responsible for everything. That's what it's talking about when it says he. It's talking about the Lord. He is responsible for the creation of everything that you see. You look out into space, and what you see, he's responsible for the entire thing. He created it all. He put it together. He sustains it. It's, 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 it, it, it stays in place, and everything works because of him. I'll give you this example, I, I think, which is impossible, obviously, but if God were to die, everything would collapse. He's holding it all together. He sustains the whole thing. Look at John chapter 1, first few verses in John chapter 1. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. Again, declaring who Jesus is. He's responsible for the entire creation, everything you see, including you know, nature, everything, the people sitting beside you, everything you see. He is responsible for the creation of the entire thing. Now, let me ask you a question. If he's responsible for everything we see, if you truly believe that, don't you think he's able to help your life? Don't you think maybe there's a little bit he can do for you? Right? Think about it. I mean, if he did that, and I, I believe he did, I, uh, if he did it, come on, I don't care what we're going through and the problems we face and who we are, he's greater than that. Yeah. 
He's able to overcome that. He's able to help you overcome that. He's able to make a difference in our lives. Now, now, now listen, listen here. About 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah the prophet, you need to read the book of Isaiah. There's more prophecies about Jesus Christ in the book of Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus came into existence in the world. There's more prophecies in Isaiah than any other book in the Bible about the Lord. And here's one of them. Isaiah 28, verse 16 says, Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, Look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need not be shaken. Now, that is absolutely awesome. You listen, 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 listen. He's placing a foundation stone. It's a firm and tested stone. It's a precious cornerstone, <clears throat> safe to build on, never be shaken. Now that was spoken about Jesus before he was born, 700 years before he came to earth. And then he lived that out. That's who he is. He is our cornerstone. He is our rock. He is the one that we can build our lives on. So the, the prophet spoke it 700 years, telling us, hey, this one's coming, and when he comes with, through these prophecies, you should be able to recognize him. And that's who he is. Now, listen what the apostle Paul, I believe it is, says here, to confirm what the prophet said 700 years later. Now, this is after, after um, the death of Jesus. The apostle says this, Ephesians 2.20. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. You see, he is confirming what the prophet spoke and what Jesus lived. Prophet spoke it, Jesus lived it, the apostle confirmed it. That's all that's happening there. He's showing us that Jesus is the rock, the foundation, the cornerstone. You can build your life on him. He's the one that created it all. He understands you inside out. That's why Jesus said he was tested and tried in everything that we are tested and tried in. And he did it without sin. He did it without failing. He can help us in our lives. Because he's the one. Now, a cornerstone in our culture today, is a little bit um, more symbolic. You know, we don't really have a cornerstone, per se, with modern technology and everything we know about building today. Uh, it's not as significant. Um, it's more of a um, uh, just a symbolic type of thing. We, we have our cornerstone in the middle of our building, okay? Um, it's a, you know, it's, you'll see it when you come in the door, and it says, when the building was built. Other times, maybe it's a little bit more elaborate, might say the, the, uh, the, the architect or the builder or something like this. It may have more information on it, but it's more symbolic today. But back in the day, the cornerstone was crucial. The cornerstone was the main thing when they were building. They would cut that cornerstone out and, and they would put it, they've got to get it right in the right place on the right angle and secured. It had to be in place. You don't want to have it wobbly. This is, this is, the whole building was being built from that cornerstone. And they would put it in place, and then everything got built from that cornerstone. Everything went off. They, they looked at that cornerstone, and they got to get the right line down here. Okay, here's where we're right off the cornerstone. You know, draw the line, and here's where we're going to build, right off that cornerstone. It was vital, that cornerstone. If they did something wrong, if the edge of the platform here is the street and I'm a building and they did something wrong, I might be like this. 
right? Because they did something wrong with the cornerstone. Now, the whole building gets out of whack, and it might be on an angle a little bit, might be off kilter a little bit. The cornerstone was absolutely crucial, and that's why it talks about Jesus being the, the, the head cornerstone, the, the chief cornerstone. He's the one that can make the difference. He is the cornerstone. Now, it's important that we build our life from that cornerstone. The, the values, the principles, the truth in the word of God that we build from him. We build on him, we build off of him, and we build our lives around that cornerstone. That is crucial that we do it his way if you're going to have a successful life. And let me ask you, how many really want your life to count? Come on, you want your life to count. Let's not be mundane and go through the motions, but make your life count for something, you see? Well, it's vital if we're going to do that, that we build off that cornerstone. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Put it up on the screen here, verses 10 to 13, I think it is. Yeah. This is what he says here. According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Look, in verse 10, he's saying, he's warning you. He says, listen, take heed. What he's saying is, be careful. Be careful. Here's the foundation stone. He's talking about the Lord. Here's the foundation stone. It's been laid. Now, you're going to build on that foundation stone, he's saying. But take heed. Be careful how you build. He's giving you a warning, okay? Take heed. Be careful. Because there's different ways to build on that cornerstone. So he said, be careful what you do. Verse 11. He said, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. We like saving promises, don't we, out of the Bible. You know, I don't know if we still do it, but back in the day, you know, your fridge would be covered with the promises of God or something. Now it's maybe on your iPad or your phone or your computer screen, something that God's promised you. I'll guarantee you one that's not there. The one that said, you will be tried by fire. That's a promise from God. Not because he's going to send it necessarily, but because it's life. It's life. I mean, there's a life. You go through stuff. The heat gets turned up sometimes. Things get difficult sometimes. Is it, look, is there anybody here you've never gone through a hard time? Come on. Because we want to find out who has a lying spirit. Come on. It's life. It's nothing to do with God. It's life. So here's the key. You want to build your life to be able to endure the fire. People think they're doing good when everything's going fine. You know when you find out if you're doing good? When the heat gets turned up. That's how you find out if you've been building properly, when the heat gets turned up. So that's what he's talking about. Something's going to happen, and he's saying there are two ways you can build your life. It's up to you. That's why he said, be careful. Because you can have Jesus in your life. He can be the cornerstone of your life. He can be the greatest rock you could ever build your life on, and you can build incorrectly. 
You can build with wood, hay, and straw. How many know that wood, hay, and straw doesn't do well with fire? If, that, if you're building your life with the wrong stuff, as a Christian, you can be a totally defeated Christian. Totally defeated. If you build incorrectly. Now, the verse did say you'll be saved as by fire. You may make it to heaven, but life isn't going to be that great. You're never going to be an overcomer. You're going to be pushed around by life just like we were before we met the Lord. If we build incorrectly. That's what he's warning us on. He says, be careful. Don't build incorrectly with the wrong material. Use the right material to build your life if you want a life that's going to be victorious and successful and make it count and live with significance. Build properly. Now, you can build. You can build. What I believe he's saying to us here. You can build with the permanent or with the perishable. It's up to us how we build. We build with the permanent or we build with the perishable. See, the, the permanent, I believe, are the things of God, the, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. You with me here? When, we're, when, you, when you're in heaven, love is going to be in heaven. Joy is going to be in heaven. I don't know if we're going to need patience, if people are going to drive us nuts or not, but if they do, you'll have patience. See, you're going to have that stuff in heaven. It's going, to endure. it's going to endure in heaven forever. The Word of God, the Bible says, will endure forever. The truth of the Scriptures will last forever. Forgiveness is a principle in Scripture that will last forever. If you need it, it will be there in heaven. Victory is a principle that lasts forever. It will be there in heaven. These are permanent things that you can build your life on. You build your life on the Word of God and the Spirit of God, you're going to have a successful, victorious life. And that requires a sensitivity that when the Holy Spirit says, knock it off, you're willing to knock it off. And when the Holy Spirit says, hey, pick it up, you're willing to pick it up. See, when you develop that heart that says, I want to please God, I'm going to try. Now, I may stumble because it's a new way to live. I've never done this before. I'm used to being angry at people, not forgiving people. This is not natural for me. So you work at it, but you try to build your life on forgiveness, for instance, on faithfulness. And you work at You get a permanent quality of Scripture, of Christ-likeness. You know the Bible says that we're all supposed to? I think it's in Colossians. We're supposed to have Christ formed in us. That is the goal of every Christian. When you wake up tomorrow, your, your desire and goal for that day should be, I want Jesus to be formed in me a little bit more today. When I go to bed tonight, just a little bit more, just a little fraction more of Jesus in me and me looking like him and acting like him that was in there before. That should be the desire of every believer, Christ being formed in us. So that's what happens when you build with the, the permanent. You build with these biblical qualities, these spiritual qualities that are going to endure the heat and last forever. You can build with the perishable qualities that I believe are really the things of the world that are not going to endure the heat. Not going to endure eternity. <clears throat> Materialism. Selfishness. Pride. The works of the flesh that the Bible talks about. Envy. There's not, isn't that great? There won't be envy in heaven. There won't be people getting jealous and angry because somebody's doing better than they're doing. That, that won't endure. So if you build your life with that today, testing is going to come, fire is going to come, you're going to be defeated. 
Because that's not a quality that will last. So what he's saying is build on a quality that will last. There's nothing wrong with owning stuff. You know, in our society, it's, it's, it's hard not to prosper compared to the rest of the world. It's hard not to, to get ahead. Well, there's nothing wrong with getting ahead. It's, it's what you love that matters. And if I love the things of the world more than the things of God, I'm building with the wrong qualities. I'm building the wrong stuff. So he's warning us how you build. Pick the permanent, not the perishable. Build the things that will endure, not the things that will fade away. If you want to have a strong marriage, do it God's way. If you want to have a good business, do it God's way. If you want to have good, healthy relationships, do it God's way. You want to build a good church, do it God's way. Right? Learn to do it the way God says to do it. Now, I want to just show you a, 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 an illustration here we've used different times in our church, so some of you will be familiar with it. And uh, the circle diagram, for those of you that don't know it, the circles represent people, you and me, and all the little dots inside represents who we are, our, our attitudes, our character, our makeup, who we are. Now, you'll see a seat in the middle, and on the first person, number one, you see an S representing self is in the driver's seat of their life. And you'll notice the cross is on the outside. So we're just using that to illustrate there's an unsaved person. They don't know the Lord. They're not walking with God. They're running their own life. And the reality is that they may be getting by to varying degrees, but based on God's economy and God's standards, their life is kind of messed up. Things are out of order. Things, things, things aren't going well. And you see it all the time um, uh, with, with, with unsaved people, and, and that's what we're trying to overcome. That's where we all came from, so we're trying to learn how to get away from that. So you, you see it, just relationships are messed up, finances are messed up, um, marriages are messed up, things go crazy and just problems and difficulties, and a lot of it brought on by self. It's not, you know, I know we like to blame others all the time, but it's often what I'm doing wrong brings problems into my life. So that's, that kind of represents circle number one there. Number two, you'll see a significant difference. You'll notice the cross has come from the outside to the inside. Now, the cross is in that person's life. So now we're talking about a person who's received the Lord. Now, you notice not only have they received the Lord, they're learning to put Jesus in control of their life. Okay? He's in control of their life. You'll notice the issues of life start to get organized and orderly. Life starts to get better. You know, the Bible says the fruit of righteousness is peace. In other words, the result of doing what's right is a peaceful, good life. That's what it's saying. When you learn to live right and do the right thing, you'll eliminate all of the craziness that we bring into life by doing the wrong things. And as a result, you'll experience peace and joy and, and, and health and strength. The good things that the Bible promises, you'll begin to experience because you're learning to give Jesus control of your life. Now, many of you can relate to that. I could use a number of you as illustrations and examples. Your, your life went from number one and number two, and even though it's not perfect and none of us are perfect, we, we're on that journey, and our life is getting better and better as we learn to walk with God. When I was in Afghanistan and received the Lord, my life was a mess. I, I was number one. But as I've learned how to put God first and learned how to serve Him and walk with Him, it's just more and more and more looking like number two. 
I've had sometimes people criticize me because here I was talking earlier about that diagram about the blessing of God. I've had people criticize me because of having a nice house over the years. I say, well, look, you do what I did. You get your life in order. God will bless you. I don't know how, but he'll bless you. Maybe way more than me. I don't know. He's not a, he does what he knows is right for the person. But it's all by faith. You've got to have faith to work at getting your life in order and lined up with the word of God. Now, the third person is also a Christian. You notice the cross is in their life? But there's one significant difference. They're still in control. Now, I've said, I want want you to see, you can be a Christian and you can live one miserable existence. There's no guarantee of peace and joy and victory until you do it God's way. That verse that I read earlier in Corinthians, it said, their life won't be very good their life when the fire comes and they built with wood, hay, and straw. It's not going to be pleasant. They'll be saved. They'll, they'll eke their way into heaven. They'll make it, but not with a glorious entrance, not with a glorious eternity. They're, just, they're going to make it in, but it's not going to be a pleasant experience because they have faith. They just built wrong. So you want to build your life like a number two, not like a number three. The number three, they're in control and they're still maintaining whether, you know, pride, selfishness, things of the world, uh, envy, jealousy, anger, all kinds of things are still in their life. They're not listening to the Holy Spirit when he says, stop doing that. They're ignoring the Holy Spirit and they're continuing to live their way because they think they've, you know, they've got an escape into heaven now and life's going to be wonderful. But this life here will be based on how we build. That's why learning to build on the foundation is so important. Build properly on that foundation is so important. So our life can get in order. You with me there? Now that's the goal of all of us. We should all be aiming every day, a little attitude, a little habit, something that we're doing. Learning to be sensitive and listening listening to what God says so our life can become stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Now, One more passage I want to read here in in Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Um, One thing that Jesus said. He said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended The floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, see what he's saying here, you've got an option, how are you going to build? Who does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. In, let's just say both Christians, one building wisely, one building foolishly, okay? One doing it their own carnal, fleshly, arrogant way, the other one doing it God's way. A couple things we, we, we see, they both had the Word of God, and they both had storms. There's the consistency. They both had the Word of God. And they both had storms. Okay? Now it changes as you go on. The one wise followed the word of God. And they compare his life to one that was built on a rock. Built from that cornerstone. Built securely on the rock. Because he learned to follow 
and obey. He learned to do what God wanted him to do. He wasn't arrogant and careless and, and lackadaisical. He did it God's way, built his house on the rock. The winds came. Now, I've got some friends in Florida and a, a contractor we know down in Florida. And um, he, he, he bought a piece of land. And... Uh, He's building, he, he said to me, I didn't understand what he was saying when he first talked to me. He said, I'm building a Category 5 house. Well, you know what that means now. He says, I'm building a Category 5 house. I said, what do you mean? Well, Category 5, it'll withstand a Category 5 hurricane. So that when the Category 5 comes, the worst one that comes, my house is going to stand. He knew a couple things. He knew the storm was coming. He lives in Florida. It is the bullseye for hurricanes. You know how many Christians live their life and, they, and they're waiting, I'll be victorious when life gets easier. No, you won't because life won't ever get easier. The storm is coming. You can't escape it. I don't care who you are, how cool you think you are, and you think you can do this or that. There's a storm waiting that's stronger than you. See, we need to build our lives as Category 5 lives. That's what God wants us to do, build a Category 5 life. But that takes faith. Because some Christians are more content with being comfortable than they are with being victorious. So it takes faith. So the one had faith. They built on the rock. They did it properly. Now, the Bible calls the other one foolish. The foolish one disobeyed the Word of God did it their own way, built their life on the sand. And when the storm came, because it's coming, life brings storms, life brings fire, life brings difficulty. That's what happens as long as we're breathing. It, it's not a reflection of you or me or God or the church or where you live or your environment, your family. It's, not, it's just life is going to happen. Storms come. And the arrogant get beat up by the storms. The, the careless get beat up by the storms. They get blown over by the storms. They get destroyed by the storms. The humble who are doing it God's way, having faith and trusting God, they, they endure. They get by them. You know what's good about being able to endure difficult times? Once you can endure it once, you can do it twice. Amen. Then you can do it three times. Then you know you, you find something, you've you got an attitude like, well, bring it on. I, I can handle this. I'm not afraid of this anymore. Yeah, that, that used to blow me away. When that happened in my life before... That blew me away. You know, sometimes, listen, you got to understand God. He'll sometimes allow something to happen more than once because he wants you to see how you're growing. He wants you to see how you're growing. He wants to see the change that's taking place in your life, whether it's happening or not. He'll allow something to happen. If you find the same thing continues to defeat you over and over and over, you're not growing in your faith in all likelihood. But if you find yourself realizing, hey, a year ago when that happened, this is how I acted, but boy, something similar happened now, and I handled that way better, you know that you're building your life on the rock. You're using the right material. You know, I, I've, I've been doing this, you know, I, I got saved, like I said, back in 70, uh, uh, duh, 73, and um, came, came home from overseas and, and found a church to attend, and was there for 11 years and then became the pastor of that church and now I've been the pastor for 32 years. And I've watched a lot of stuff. I, I like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an observer. Uh, I know things about you you don't think I know simply because I'm watching. 
right? And when it gets too big that I can't watch, I got other people helping me. I like that positive attitude. That's, that's good. Not everybody would say that. Lynn, you're a wonderful person. You see, I've watched over the years, and I've just been amazed at what I've seen. Honestly been amazed. You know, in, in this job, I get to see the best of people, and I get to see the worst in people. And if you're new to the church, you've got to understand that churches aren't perfect. The only way you can perfect a church is by getting us all out of here. But then you don't have a church anymore because the people are the church. So the only way you can have a church, it's going to be a messed up, dirty church. There's no such thing as a perfect church. It doesn't exist. Can't happen. It's, another, it's, it's, it's impossible to be living in perfection. God sees us as perfect. He wants us to work toward that, right? But things happen is what I'm trying to say. Going a long way around trying to say a simple thing. I've watched for 40 some odd years and, I, and things happen now in, in the church, in church life. Now, I'm, I'm not suggesting um, bad, terrible things that, you know, that, you know, the pastor committing adultery or, or, or embezzling money. I'm not talking that kind of stuff happening. I'm just talking your regular stupid things that happen because we're all human. And, and, and not good things happen sometimes. Now, I've watched an amazing thing over the years, amazing thing over the years, because I see the good, I see the bad, I see everything in between. Something happens that affects, let's just for illustration purposes, we're going to say two families in the school, the youth group. It could be anything, right? Just something happens within the church that isn't good. None of us liked it. None of us did. I, I get a kick when people say to me, you know, there's problems in the church. I say, you think? <laughs> I see them more than you do. Well, you're trying to tell me something. It's like people come to me. You know, things aren't the way as good as you think they are. Oh, yeah, they are. they're exactly how I think they are. We need a lot of work. I understand that. But we've got a, got a lot of good people that love God, and they're working on it, and their lives are being changed, so don't you try to tell me how bad things are. I know that what's going on here, but I know the hearts of a lot of these people, and they love God with their whole heart. I've had that talk with more than one person. So I look, and something happens. Something happens. It's just, it's not, nobody likes it, okay? Now, why does this happen? I've, I've watched this over and over and over and over for 40 some odd years. The identical thing, one thing happens that affects two families, okay? The one family, they freak out. They're upset. They don't like what happened. None of us like what happened. They don't like it. They get angry. They get mad. They're, 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 they're blaming. They're pointing fingers. There's no grace. There's no forgiveness. There's no compassion. There's no understanding. They're just angry. And I've, people will pull back and even leave the church. Somehow thinking that that will solve the problem. But to me, that is such a declaration of immaturity, it's staggering. Because that's not how you win battles. You don't run from battles, you conquer battles. If you can't win a fight, don't call yourself victorious. But now the other couple, now look, they, one thing happened, the same thing, the same thing affects two different families, the identical thing. The second family, they're upset. They don't like what happened either. But they've got grace, they've got wisdom, 
They've got understanding. They've got compassion. They've got forgiveness. They become part of solving the problem and working together to, to, to make it work and make it get better. And they stay and they're strong and they add to the value of the church. Why is it that two people, two families affected by the identical thing act completely differently? Why does that happen? Because I, I watch, this is my life. This is what I watch happen. And I am convinced, 100% convinced, the one family isn't used to building on the rock. They're not building with gold, silver, and precious stones. They don't have a close relationship with God. They're not being convicted by the Holy Spirit. They may come to church every week and stand there and sing the songs and clap and come back and, you know, get involved and do a little something here and there, but they're not growing in their faith. They're not overcoming. They're not conquering as a lifestyle. So when something comes up, the only way they know how to handle it is the way we handle it without God, and that's what they do, thinking that's the way to handle life. Where the other person, the other family, they're growing in their faith they're learning how to overcome. They're learning how to conquer. You with me here? I, I think it's all down to their relationship with God and how they're building their life. And I'm going to give you one more little word of wisdom and warning here, if, if I can. Because, you know, people are people and, and things happen. Sometimes people say things, and talk to others about ways they shouldn't. I'm, look, I'm just trying to give you a couple clear, real-life examples to show you what I'm trying to talk to you, the importance of building properly and the importance of protecting yourself. Protecting yourself. I want you to be strong. I want you to be stable. I want your life to count. I, I, I want you to live for God and for Him to be pleased with your life. So this happens sometimes. People sometimes talk, and sometimes they talk about things they shouldn't be talking about. You know, Matt? You know what I heard? Brandon? Oh, yeah? Yeah? You wouldn't believe what I've heard. Let's get together. We'll, we'll have a little talk about Brandon, because this is pretty juicy stuff. <laughs> Now, you may have been approached that way one day. I hope you've never approached somebody that way. Because here's the problem with that. When gossips and backbiters come along, that is not godly. As a matter of fact, the Bible calls that devilish. Oh, Christian acting devilish? Oh, maybe they're building incorrectly. You with me here? Now, here's, the, here's, here's how you deal with that. If that ever happens, you, you cut them off immediately. Say, hey, I'm not interested. I'm not part of the solution. I don't want to get involved in it. It doesn't affect me. You need to go to, go to the person involved. You need to go to the, the pastors or the person involved and talk to them about the issue. You need to bring it up with them because God isn't going to give me the grace to hear what I'm about to hear. Because I'm not part of the situation. All it's going to do is mess me up. I don't want to hear it. That's how you protect yourself. Years ago, I was not the pastor. I'm in the church. Church is only about 80 people or so. And there's there one girl in the church. She was the gossip. She just loved gossiping about everything. And everybody knew it. 
And you see her at the end of a service. She'd be in the corner with a couple of the guys, and you know they were talking about something, right? One day she came to me, and she had, uh, you, you know something I heard? And, and I stopped her. I said, well, you know, I really, I don't want to hear. It's not, doesn't involve me. I don't want to hear it. See, I was learning as a young Christian to build my life on the rock. The flesh says, oh, tell me. <laughs> oh, because, you know, when you have to feel better because of the defeats of other people, you are a pathetic person. That's just how it is. You're in bad shape. If you build yourself up at the defeats of others, I said, no, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. And she walked away mad, and then I became the source of her gossip. <laughs> and you know how much I care? Because you know who I pleased? And you know who I helped? You see? You learn to build your life properly. You take steps of faith. And sometimes you, 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 you do things that you believe are pleasing to God. And some people that aren't building properly get upset with you. You know what I've discovered in, in, in church? This, this, is, this may be hard for some of you to take, but I just gave you this example. Sometimes the person the enemy uses the most isn't outside the church. They're in the church. Because it's a person who's not building properly. They're not building properly. So they'll go and they'll, hey, do you know what I know? Or, you know, I didn't like that. Or I didn't like that decision they made. And why they and this is their life. But they may, be, they, they, they may be involved. They're in here every week. But they're not building properly. See, so when you hear what you're not supposed to hear, you need to stop the person immediately because the enemy uses these unsanctified Christians because our guard's down. We're not expecting it. You know, I've watched more people get picked off from the lies of a Christian than ever outside the church. It's sad. It's pathetic. It, should, it shouldn't be happening, but, but you know, the, 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 the gossip thing starts happening, and, you, and people start listening. Well, don't listen. Be a mature person and cut it off. Build on the rock. He's the one you want to please. It's your life you're going to benefit. Don't give in to it. Note I found that most of those people... Most of those people, they're not allowing God to deal with their life. And that's why they, they tend to be people who point fingers and blame. They'll never assume responsibility. Because they're not used to taking responsibility for their own life. They're not used to looking at their life and saying, I made a mistake. That's why they'll always blame other people. They'll always, there's always pointing fingers. So I'm just guard, trying to warn you here and try to show you in practical terms what I've been talking about looks like. A situation comes up, the way you respond to it determines whether or not you're building on rock or you're building on sand. You're building with wood, hay, and straw, or you're building with gold, silver, precious stone. You're going to withstand the fire, or you're going to be burned up. The storm's going to blow you over, or you're going to stay strong. Are you with me here? It's how you build your life. L listen Get sensitive ears. That's why we say pray and seek God and get, become a worshiper. Develop your sensitivity to the Spirit of God living in you. Obedience to the Word of God. And learn how to build your life solidly on the rock. And you will not be conquered by the stuff that happens. You will be more than a conqueror. Not just in theory. You will be living it. You will be conquering at life. You'll be ruling and reigning at life. You'll be overcoming stuff. You'll be, you'll be doing stuff and, and, and just being strong and stable like you never, ever imagined you could be. When I got saved back there in Afghanistan, I never dreamt I'd be doing what I'm doing and being able to handle what I can handle. 
But it's all the transformation that God does in your life when you let him take control and try to learn to live for him and do it his way, the amazing things that he does in your life that will last for eternity and give you a much better life right now. Learn how to build on the rock. Learn how to build solidly. You know, one last story. In England, about 13 miles off the coast of Plymouth, England, there's a stone they call the Eddy Stone, and it's been a hazard to shipping forever. Many ships have been, had been shipwrecked on that stone over the years. So one, one time, a, a, a shipping owner decided to fix the problem and have somebody build a lighthouse on the, on the Eddy Rock Stone. And they built an 80-foot lighthouse to warn the ships of the rock that was there, but it's a very rough area of the sea, and the waves would hit, and the wind would hit and crash against it. It's a rough area, and... and about a couple of years later, the, the, the lighthouse was washed away. So they hired another architect, and he decided he's going to do something really strong. And he, he got good, strong wood and, um, and just really built the thing properly. He built it secure and strong, a good, sturdy lighthouse to warn the ships. But one day, there was a problem with the light, and a fire broke out, and obviously the wood didn't do very well, and the lighthouse burned down. Finally... They used the most modern techniques of the day, and they hired an architect who used the most modern techniques of the day, and he built the lighthouse out of rock, a solid rock lighthouse. And not only that, you know what they did? They, they um, uh, what's that word when you, <laughs> dovetail? We'll go with that one, it sounds good. They, they cut the rock so that it would dovetail together. And so now the, the lighthouse is secure. The rock is right cut into the rock, and it's secure. It isn't going anywhere. Then not only that, they cut right into the, to the stone itself, the, the eddy stone itself, and they dovetailed right into the eddy stone. So that lighthouse has become part of that rock, and it's built out of rock. And that lighthouse stands to this day. It's endured all the storms, it's endured all the years, it's endured all the wind, everything they could throw at it because they built it properly. See, when you build your life properly, get your life, come on, wedged in with the Lord. Get your life wedged into that rock. You know, get it dovetailed in there. Get it intermeshed so that when something comes, it won't blow you away. You build yourself a Category 5 life. Get a Category 5 life so when stuff comes, you're going to be victorious, you're going to conquer it, you're not going to get defeated by it. And that's the journey we're on, and I hope and pray that all of you have that heart and that attitude to say, hey, I'm going to learn to be more sensitive to the Spirit of God. I'm going to learn to be more obedient to the Word of God. I'm going to let God change my life, change my attitudes, change my habits, change my thinking so that I can build my life on the rock and be securely connected to the rock that will never go anywhere. You see? You with me here? Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, we thank you that you uh, left your home in heaven and you came to give us new life. And Lord, we thank you that it's not only that you make a way for us to come back into your family and be forgiven, but Lord, you, you become the rock that we can build our lives on. And Lord, I pray for each and everyone here today. I, I pray that you would put a fresh longing and desire in our hearts 
to lay a strong foundation in our lives, that we would build our lives on you, and that we would build with your word, we would build with your spirit, Lord, that we would build strong lives on you, strong lives where we found our our hope and our faith in you. Lord, I just pray for you to touch every family. Could I ask you to do this right where you are? Would you just raise your hands where you are? Just raise your hands to God. If, and if it's your heart to say, God, fill me. I, 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 want, I want more of you. I just want more of you, Lord. I, I want to learn how to walk in greater obedience. I, I, I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to be the, the man and the woman that you want me to be. I want to be the young person that you want me to be. Lord, I just pray that you'd pour out your spirit and, and just touch us all in a fresh way. You see our hearts. You see our needs. You, you see our struggles. You see our victories. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just pour out, pour upon us right now. Lord, you see the hearts. You see the ones that are really longing and, and after you and they want to please you. Lord, I just pray that you would touch them in a fresh way. Lord, just fill them in a fresh way by your Holy Spirit. Let your, your spirit come in and just renew them revive them, refresh them, and just put a new sense of faith and commitment in their hearts, we pray. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. Lord, we know that your goal, your objective, is to help us to be people that are more than conquerors. And I pray that we will build with wisdom. We will build wisely, like the wise builder will build with the right material. Lord, that we will lay a solid, strong foundation in our lives with your help. I pray that we would do it. We long for it. Lord, I pray for people here that maybe don't know you today. Maybe there's some who don't know you. I pray that you'd reveal yourself to them, how how much you love them, how much you care for them. Lord, we have friends and relatives not here today that we love, we care for. We pray, Lord, that you'd begin to move on their heart. You'd begin to draw them to yourself. You'd begin to reveal yourself to them. Show them that there's hope and, and help comes from you. Lord, we just pray that you would touch hearts and lives in a fresh way. Pour your grace out. Pour your spirit out, we pray. And if you keep your head bowed just for a moment, I, I would like to ask you that if, if maybe, maybe you're here and you don't know the Lord, 